Hi there, and welcome to the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. Uh, so, first of all, the date is... December 1st, 2019. The Washington Nationals are still World Series champions. You don't say. You know I did. You know, yesterday was the one-month anniversary of the last out in Game 7, and I don't think we made a big enough deal about that. It's true. I mean, I certainly made a big deal about it in my yes. head, but I don't think... So, uh, also, you should know that MLB just posted to YouTube the entirety of Game 7 of the World Series. Ooh. So, if you don't have MLB TV and you want to rewatch it, uh, you don't have to buy the special commemorative edition of... Uh, they've got this DVD coming out. Obviously, they've got the World Series documentary, which they're showing tomorrow. Do you know when it's going to be available to buy? Yes, the day after. Oh, great. Uh, you can For buy digital? It. Digital, you can buy it on iTunes, you can buy it uh, in DVD form pretty much anywhere DVDs are sold. Uh, We're sponsored by the Yeah, (laughs) we're not. Exactly right. We are not. We take no corporate money. No. But it's going to be really fun. Yes. And we're really excited about it. Yes. But they're also coming out with a uh, a set of DVDs that'll have uh, all seven games of the World Series on it and uh, game four of the NLCS. With home and road audio calls, uh, cool. something you should consider buying if you want it for the Nats fan in your household. Right, Christmas is coming up. Exactly. So I've been told. <laughs> uh, anyway, that is one minute and thirty seconds of corporate sponsorship that we um, aren't actually getting paid to do. No, uh, but, but if they want to pay us, right, uh, Nationals, or if anyone wants to pay us, uh, I have a Venmo. We're always down to take some money. Uh, anyway, vamping aside, uh, we have to talk about the Nats and about baseball. And There's a little bit of Nats news this week. There was. There was a very tiny bit of Nats news. Uh, Jan Gomes is coming home. Yeah. Gomes he re-signed with the Nats. He signed a two-year, $10 million deal. A deal that you negotiated with Andrew Flax on Twitter. That is true. I did. It just, it always made sense. Yeah. Uh the catching market is moving quickly, and I didn't expect with all the needs that the Nats have for them to be in the market for one of the top flight catchers, really the only top flight catcher, which is Yasmani Grandal. Who also signed the last two weeks. That is true. We'll talk a little bit about that a little later. Yep. Uh, the catching market's the only one that's really moving at this point. That and middle relief, or what passes is late relief in this market. Um which is, by the way, obviously another thing that the Nats need. But uh, they have such... The, the problem that the Nats have faced so far this offseason, as far as getting a, an early start on the offseason, is that the two markets that are moving uh, are sort of the secondary markets. And the Nats have such big pieces out there, uh, obviously in Rendon and Strasburg, but they can't really play in those small markets until they know what's happening with those two guys, uh, which has kept them from, I mean, the Braves have gotten a big jump on the market as far as relief pitching is concerned. They've signed Will Smith. They've re-signed Chris Martin. Chris Martin. I couldn't remember which band leader (laughs) they re-signed. They re-signed Carlos Santana, the guitar player. No, see, that's a real That's also a guitar player. Right. Uh, well, that didn't work. No. Uh, and they, who else did they sign? They also signed um, 
Bruce Durst of uh, of Cat or uh, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, they signed Chris Martin, um, and then they Phil also Durst, signed, isn't it? Or is it Robert Durst? Robert Durst. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and then they also signed Travis Darno too. Right. So the guy jumped on both of the markets, so the relief market and the catching market. Um, now I find the the Darno deal very interesting. I, I was kind of surprised that he got a multi year deal for eight million, four million a year, uh, coming off the season in which he got DFA'd twice. Yeah, but he was good with the Rays. He, did he was. Good, he had a good uh, second half of the season with the Rays. He had some very timely hits. I know Yankees fans hate him. Um, I've always been very interested in his defensive statistics. I think of him as a strong framer. Uh, the metrics seem to disagree. The metrics seem to think of his defense as a wash or a net negative. I've always thought of that as better. But it's hard to say. Uh, catcher defense is one of those things that is, you know, even as we're getting better at quantifying it, uh, there's still so many things we're leaving out, and our metrics for quantification are getting better. I'll admit that they're not what they were six years ago when they were basically completely random from season to season, but I still don't trust them. Mm. Uh, I would still prefer to go with the eye test. Anyway, so the Nats played in the catcher market. They brought back Jan Gomes. Yeah, and, you know, Gomes, he struggled mightily from the beginning of the season. He had, you know, hitting... about May to August, early August. Yeah, he was not good at all. Um, You know, from defensively, he had so many pass balls. Yep, set a career high. Yeah. He ended up with eight or nine. Um, And offensively, he struggled a lot, too. So he, um, you know, it's he had a great September. A great September. He had a great postseason, though. He had hit good enough postseason, but he had a great September. He batted. Uh, let's see. In this postseason, he hit. Let's see. Not gonna find it on baseball. I'm no, no. Uh, do that. But uh, anyway, uh, looking up stats on our phones as we record this aside, he was good enough in the postseason. Uh, Suzuki was. And he has really strong chemistry with Patrick Corbin. It's hard to say whether or not it's it's really strong chemistry or it's just the fact that unlike Kurt Suzuki, he can frame a low pitch. Uh, I think next year he's going to take on a bigger workload too. I just don't see Suzuki being able to make it as many games as he did this year. Yeah, we as talked about this on the offseason preview. We talked about how the Nats maybe would play for a starting catcher. Uh, the Torinos. Right. Uh I'm fine with the Gomes. I'm fine with the Gomes too. I think it's, you know, he he has a good rapport with Corbin, mm-hmm. and whoever the fifth starter will be, he'll probably catch for them too. Um, and when Suzuki gets hurt this year, because I'm expecting it fully, yeah, um, he can catch 100 games, 150 games. He's done it before. Yep. And he's a good defensive catcher. I mean, his defense. I mean, maybe it was just him moving to a new organization that had him in flux. I don't know. But he he, the pass balls became less of an issue as the season went on. Um, I mean, it's hard to say how big pass balls are as an issue, unless you're you're Gary Sanchez and you've got a reputation for dropping fifteen to twenty a year. I mean, pass balls are not the primary driver of defensive value as a catcher. 
Uh, I mean, Gomes had eight pass balls last year. Uh, he caught, I'm sure, something like 3,000 pitches. Uh, no, probably more than that. Uh, assuming he catches 150 a game, he caught 85 games last year. You do the math. He had 10 pass balls this season. 10 pass balls, but still. It's a very small percentage of pitch balls that he missed. I think it's a much larger percentage of, of stealing strikes, uh, or much larger percentage of his value defensively would come from stealing strikes. And I didn't think he was a great framer, but he was at least able to stick the low pitch for Patrick Corbin, which Corbin is really the only guy in the Nats rotation who relied on framing. You would think that a guy like Anibal Sanchez might do better with Corbin, but he has a rapport with Suzuki. Uh, so, anyway, the Nats went towards the middle of the catching market. They went familiar, and yeah. it's fine. It's fine. I think, you know, with all the needs the Nats have, as you said earlier, it's going to be a hard offseason for them mm-hmm. because Rendon is probably going to be the guy who wakes up you know, to see where Donaldson and Moustakis go. I think Donaldson will go first, then Rendon, then Moustakis. Donaldson will go to a team who wants to jump a little earlier. Rendon will go to be the big guy, and then Moustakis will go to whoever doesn't get Rendon. Well, I hope that that means that Moustakis finally gets a multi-year deal because it's ridiculous how he's been frozen out the last two offseasons. Yes. Uh, I mean, basically, he got two. Um, I mean, he got a year and a half of walking. Never mind. I forgot he signed, he signed with the Royals. Yep. In um, 18, not signing with the Brewers. That's right. He yeah. went one year eight in Kansas City. They traded him midseason. And then last year, he was one year 10. Yeah. Which, I mean, the money is not it's terrible. It's a little low. Two year 18. Yeah. I mean, he was coming off of a year when she hit 38 home runs, broke the Royals single season record, and all he could get was a one year $8 million deal with a mutual option that was never going to be an issue. Yeah. So it's it's weird. Yeah. Uh, the truth is that there aren't a ton of teams that need third baseman, but third base is right now the best position in this market. I mean, there are enough teams that need third base. I mean, if you look at, you know, the Braves need a third baseman, the Nationals need a third baseman, mm-hmm. I mean, the White Sox, depending on what they're going to be doing, you know, with the signing of Grandal. Well, they could use a third baseman, but they don't need a third baseman because Moncada can play second or third. And they have also Magical. And they have, yeah, Magical, who will play second. So, uh, they could use a third baseman. The Angels could use a third baseman. You know, they've been talked a lot about going in on it this offseason. You know, a lot of ties with Cole. But if you're signing Cole, you're also going to sign a third baseman. Or at least, you know, you're not going to half measure it. You're going to go all in. No, they do still have Cozart. Uh, I think he's in the third year of his deal. Who has played like 10 yeah. games maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much he played last year. But yeah. It wasn't a lot. Nope. And they've got Listella who can move from second to third. The point is, there are teams who could use a third baseman. But I mean, the Rangers are another one. The Rangers need a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not, not, a, not much offensively. I mean, they have their outfield is pretty covered with Mazzaro and Gallo and then the Shields in center. The Shields is pretty terrible. I mean, it, they relied offensively a lot on, on Hunter, Hunter Pence, Pence last true. year. And Gallo got went hurt, got hurt halfway through the season. Right. And they, I mean, Chu's a free agent, right? Chu's got one more year left. He's got one more year. He had a great year last year. 
a very good year for for him, him, and yeah. for how much they're paying him. I mean, uh, if they finally decide to cut ties with Odor, because they need to. Yeah, I mean, they could. They've got a lot of, of vacancies. What they really have done well is hit that mid tier of the starting rotation market. Well, I mean, another signing that happened this week: they signed Kyle Gibson to a three year deal, mm-hmm. which is which is interesting to me. I didn't expect Kyle Gibson to be the first starter to move, uh, and he got three years, which is is very unexpected. But they yeah. that's I, the contract that they give out. They gave three years and twenty eight to Mike Miner. They gave three years and 30 to Lance Lynn, and they gave three years and 30 to Gibson. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been interesting this offseason so far. What we've seen are a lot of multi-year deals. We've seen a three-year deal, two four-year deals, I mean, between Grandal. Every player who was signed, except for Adam Wainwright, has gotten a multi-year Which deal. Which Wainwright's probably year-to-year at this point because he'll see until he can play anymore. Right. Um, which makes sense for him. But, you know, I think, I don't know if you said this on air in our last podcast, but I think in this kind of market where it, um, where people have been, teams have been very hesitant to sign people, it really doesn't make much sense to wait out the market. Because once you get to February, you know, teams are pretty steadfast in their team. You mean uh, it doesn't make sense for players to players try to, to wait the market? Yeah, yeah, to try to wait the market. You know, we've seen players already get rewarded. I mean, Drew Pomeranz got a four-year deal for half a season of good relief. And that, 26 and a third innings plus yeah. two in the postseason. I mean, it, it says a lot about the relief market so far and how desperate teams are. Well, it also says something about Pomeranz's stuff, which people have always believed in. I mean, the guy's been an all-star as a starter. As with the Padres. Yes. Uh, so they know him well. Yes. Uh, but more than that, he's also got... I mean, he was hitting 98 miles an yeah, hour he looked great. in the playoffs in a wild card game. So, uh, I mean, I, I see it. I understand that teams pay for stuff uh, and that this relief market really is terrible. Uh, there is now pretty much one quote-unquote top flight relief option still out there. Uh, Will Smith? Will, Will Harris. Or Will Harris, I'd say. Will Smith already resigned. Yeah. There's so many Wills, Joes, Smiths, Harris, Wills. Yeah, there's a Will together. Smith, there's a Will Harris, there's and Joe there's Smith. a Joe Smith. It all blends together at this point. Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it just it doesn't make sense to try. and I mean, So it's different this offseason because Scott Boris, who is a, a wait-and-see type of guy as an agent, controls pretty much every major free agent. Uh, there's no... The only guy I can see really getting hurt by his approach this year is Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, Ryu and Keiko. And Keiko, who I forgot, is a free agent again. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean... It's, it's the down market starting pitching who's going to get hurt. Right. I mean, he, he can't take... In this market, he can't take the approach that he takes with the superstars as a one-size-fit-all. Because, sure, if you wait until February, Anthony Rendon will still get his money. Because teams are still going to need him. And that's the kind of piece that you can pitch to ownership. I mean, not every team has the same structure that the Nats have, where major signings, basically you can go around the front office and go straight to the Lerner family. Uh, Not every team has that structure, but... Boris can definitely negotiate more heavily with ownership with a guy like Strasburg or a guy like Rendon or a guy, a guy like, like Cole. Cole. Yeah. 
uh, all of which are his clients, which is just, it can't be a good thing when one agent controls this much. No, if I were a player, I don't know why I'd go to Boris when he controls, he has so many vesting interests. Yeah, I mean, he's got so many, uh, I mean, you wouldn't call them conflicts of interest, but they're sort of close. I mean, what's good for one client is not, I mean... Like, exactly what we're saying is right. what's good for Steven Strasberg isn't good for Dallas Keuchel. But it's not even just that. You could also make the argument that his approach that he takes with some clients ends up hurting his other clients. Yeah. Like, the fact that he waits out the market with his top flight starters ends up hurting those surprised that middle reliever or middle fire starters. Boris after last offseason. Yeah, it is kind of surprising. Yeah. I think he did probably a good job blaming it on ownership, which it was to some extent, except for the fact that Nadia Valdi got four years and $68 million and Patrick Corbin got six years and 140 and they got it by not waiting out the market. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, long rambling answer. It's not rambling. It's, it's relevant. No, I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit. I have a tendency to do that. But, uh, yeah, it's... I mean, things have moved. A little bit. For November. For it's November. been a pretty steady pace. We yeah. saw one major signing. We saw the catching market move. There's really only one catcher still out there in Chirinos. I mean, it, it's not... There's a, Chirinos, there's Maldonado. There's a few guys out Maldonado there. Maldonado is an afterthought type of guy. He's a defense first backup catcher. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the the catching market's moved. The relief market's moved. We've seen one big piece and Grant all go off the board. And, and those seem like the first markets to really move. Yeah. It just makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this this free agent market is strong on third base. It's strong on starting pitching. It's very deep in starting pitching. It really is. It's surprising. I mean, Kyle Gibson was like the eighth best starter, and he just got three years and $30 million. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty weak elsewhere. Uh, and And... Uh, just to review what the Nats need, uh, Nats have checked off the box at backup catcher. Uh, they need two first basemen. They need a second baseman. They, they need, need a third, a third baseman. baseman. They need a, a starting, starting pitcher. Top line starting pitcher. Top flight starting pitcher. And they need three relievers. Yes. And it's going to be... There's a lot... Good. The only good thing is a lot of these guys. I mean, there are a lot of options out there. They're not really handcuffed in any way. Well, the top I mean, flight starting pitching. I I feel confident they're either going to get Strasburg or Cole. I think if they miss out on Strasburg, they're going to really shift their sights to Cole. Well, let's talk about Strasburg. Yeah, uh, I mean, because it's now December. Yeah, and Strasburg hasn't resigned, uh, and the winter meetings are next week. Uh, and I think at this point, you have to consider Strasburg. Not as a guy who's likely to re-sign, but as a guy who is a legitimate free agent. Uh, I still have heard a lot of things about Strasburg likely to sign before the winter meetings with the Nets. Um, there's only one more week before the winter meetings. Yeah, but the week before this was Thanksgiving, and you know things are kind of sometimes slow before Thanksgiving. Um, and so, I if he signs with this week, I think it. I mean, obviously, but. Yeah, once you get to the winter meetings, I think you really consider him as a general, just like he's out there. So everyone is talking about sort of the other guys who have opted out and re-signed and how quickly they did it. Uh, Sabathia, uh, I mean, A-Rod 
whatever, not really a good comp, but Sabathia sort of is. Uh, and I would say the difference between Strasburg and Sabathia is that Strasburg added so much value. Uh, right. Strasburg added so much value over the course of his 2019 and the course of his postseason, which was historic, that the difference between the contract he had and the contract he could get was pretty vast. We're talking he could get an extra two years and an extra five million a year. Uh, I mean, that's that's almost the baseline. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got 200 million, which is double what he was due. Uh, so yeah, it makes sense that you know even if he would want to come back to DC, that he would go to the free agent market because. I mean, he's ditching. Basically, there's no downside risk for him. There's no way he gets less than the money he had. And there was so much more to negotiate on. Uh, and the Nats had obviously just won the World Series. And they had two days to negotiate that contract. And obviously, I imagine that was not Steven Strasburg's biggest concern at that point. Uh, probably spent the great deal of that 48 hours kind of drunk. Uh, he was sick, he said. Yeah, he did get sick. Uh, luckily, not during the playoffs, which he's done before. Worked yeah. out, though. Uh, anyway, so the truth is, you know, he's in a somewhat similar position. He's in a much stronger position than he was in 2016, but he was in a pretty good position in 2016. If he'd gone to the free agent market, uh, he would have gotten... Well, after 2016, he, he was he, injured. He was injured. But that's not the point. Yeah. The point is when he signed that contract, he had a great deal of bargaining power. Obviously, yes, there was some sort of risk mitigation there. You, know, you, you play five more months in a season, you don't know if you're going to get hurt. And he did. And he did. But at the same time, he didn't sign that contract mostly out of risk mitigation. He was very close to free agency. Uh, he signed that contract because he wanted to be in D.C., and I can't imagine what's changed. And all that's changed in the last four years since he signed that deal is the Nats have won a World Series. Uh, so he's still the same guy he was. I still think that the Nats have to be considered odds-on favorites to sign him, at least over the field. Uh, but you got to consider him as a regular free agent now. Yeah. Because... We're now at the winter meetings. Well, not at the winter meetings yet. So, okay. I th give it a week. Give it a week? Give it a week. That's what I say. If he's not signed in the next week, then yeah, he's a regular free agent. Okay. But I still think the Nats have some sort of chips. Also, interestingly enough, the winter meetings are in San Diego this year. That's true. Um, so. Well, so that means he'll probably be there. He could be there. I mean, he lives in D.C. now, though. That's true. But, I don't know. I think of a, a, a guy moving his whole family across the country to D.C. recently. You could move back. I know. But it's not like, that hard. It's not that hard. But it, it says something about how he feels about the area, that he moved his whole family here. Well, the team doesn't play in Northern Virginia. That's true. Uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. I don't think it is really useful to handicap it at this point. He's, he's either going to resign or he's not. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he does. Yeah. So, moving on, uh, tomorrow night at 8 p.m. is the non-tender deadline. Woo! Exciting. And the Nats have a couple of interesting non-tender candidates. Mostly speaking, 
Michael Taylor. Well, yeah. Michael so Taylor, they've got, they've Michael got Taylor, some interesting ones. Yeah. Hunter Strickland. Yes. Ronis Elias. Uh-huh. Javi Guerra. Mm-hmm. Um, Coda Glover. Coda Glover. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Rowdy Reed. No, I think Reed's still... Does he have options? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, no, Reed's still got options. But the most interesting one I'd say is Taylor. Yes. Um, you know, Taylor was terrible. You know, before the postseason, it was obvious we'd non-tender him. He's worth $3.25 million next year. Yeah, well, so he was uh, at three and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the arbitration rules are that you can't have a decrease in your salary more than 20% year-to-year uh, year in arbitration. And uh, generally, you're supposed to go from 60% of your value uh, in your second year of arbitration to 80% in your sixth or your third year. Uh, however, Michael A. Taylor did not have a good year. No. He didn't play in the big leagues for three months, and that sent him down. He was bad in the minors, too. And he wasn't good in the minors. He came up. He was decent and, and limited playing time in September. And then in the playoffs, when he got thrust into action, he was very good again. Uh, he had over 1,000 OPS. He now has a 5,000 career World Series OPS, which is the highest of all time. Interestingly, I'm just looking at his playoff statistics career. 316 average, 395 OBP, 632 slugging mm-hmm. for 1027 OPS. He's got four career home runs, playoff home runs, which is tied for, well, not anymore. It's now fourth on the team. Uh, Rendon, Soto, and Zimmerman and Harper each have five, so mm-hmm. that would make it fifth. But still, Taylor has played basically in parts of two postseasons, and he's hit those homers. Yeah. I mean, he also played in 2016, but. As far as I can remember, the only thing he did was strike out. He had two bat-bats. And they were both strikeouts. And they were both strikeouts. Right. Uh, so, I don't know what you do. It's a lot of money to be spent on a backup outfielder. Taylor has legitimate strengths. He's got pop. And he's got premium defense. Uh, and that is what you need in a fourth outfielder. A uh, guy who can come off the bench and hit a home run. And a guy who can come off the bench and play defense. Uh, that being said, he's also fast. He can and he run. can he can pinch run and steal bases. He's very useful. That being said, you've got an extra roster spot next year. You don't need one player who can do all those things anymore. It's less useful. Uh, you can add a fifth outfielder who can do some of those things. Uh, and I would say that Andrew Stevenson can do some of those things. He's good defensively. He can pinch run. Uh, and he showed he can hit a little bit, maybe not for power, but uh, it's just that, I mean, with the, you might be able to bring Taylor back on a lower money deal. Not tied to ever resign him? Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. And Taylor is... He was one year away from free agency. Yeah. Um, so, or he's one day away from free agency. That's also true. But uh, Taylor is the most interesting option. I think Elias is also interesting. I think, I think we non-tender Taylor. I think there are a lot of, um, a lot of options, a lot of options, um, out there who we can get, you know, as you said, there's 26 roster spots now next year. So you can send two guys for the same price as Taylor probably. 
And again, I think Taylor probably would sign somewhere for like two million dollars, one million dollars. I mean, I mean, I don't know that he gets a major league he deal might from other than the Nats. Yeah. Uh, remember, he played half the year in the minor leagues last year. And they weren't good. No. And, uh, and he's got more, I don't know, sentimental. It's He's one of those role players that you know, Nats fans seem to like a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not crazy about him because I don't like players who strike out in 35% of their at-bats. But, I mean, there's no denying he was legitimately big. In the playoffs in 2017 and 2019, yeah. Uh, but I mean, he's 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 got utility. He's a guy who can stick around in the major leagues for a while, even if he doesn't hit, uh, just because he's a premium defender. And now you've got this 26th man. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I I don't really know what the market's going to be like for guys of his caliber. I mean, for the last several years, it's really been suppressed uh, for veteran outfielders who are reserves. But uh, you never know. Taylor's still got maybe some untapped potential some teams might see. I think I've been saying this for like two years now, but he'd be a good fit on the Indians. Yeah, well, they need any outfielders they can get. He'd also be a good fit on the Marlins. Yeah. Uh, although they've already got Lewis Brinson, who's the got the same skill set. Except worse. Much worse. Um, but moving on, I think Hunter Strickland is a definite non-tender. Is a definite non-tender. Uh-huh. You know, he pitched so poorly in the postseason, and he pitched so poorly in the he's regular given season. Up nine career playoff home runs. Yes. Which is insane. He's just so bad. You know, it was a good, good try, good effort trading for him. Yeah. See what you had with him. It's nothing. Move on. Well, yeah, the the Strickland trade, Strickland Elias trade ended up being a non-factor for the Nats. Yeah, uh, Elias, I th- say keep. I, I I don't think we got a good enough look at him uh, no. this year. I think there's some starts, some stuff that you know, he's looked good in the past. I keep him. You know, we, I would disagree, except that it's going to be so hard for the Nats to build a bullpen. Yeah, uh, I mean they need three arms right now, three good arms. I mean right now the bullpen is Doolittle. Suero, Rainey. That's it. They need four more guys. Yeah. And I guess one of them can come internally. Or five, frankly. Yeah. It's hard to say. And and it's a question of whether or not they'd be willing to use, because they've got three guys, all of whom do not have options, in Cole, both, Cole. and Ross. Ross. AJ <laughs> Cole, by the way. I just assume he's still here. He signed uh, with the Blue Jays. He did sign with the Blue Jays. Good for AJ Cole for sticking around. Yeah. But yeah, in Voth, both Ross and Fetty, who all have no options, and if the Nets, as we assume they will, sign a starter, they will have one rotation spot. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they're willing to use two long relievers now that they're going to have an eight-man bullpen all year long. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea what bullpen roster construction they're going to do. Obviously, we need... Uh, Let's just do the playoff mentality all year long. Oh, yeah. Patrick Corbin as a swingman. That seems totally sustainable. Yeah, he'll pitch, he'll pitch in like start 70 games. Right. Start in like 40 of them, uh, 30 of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then his arm will fall off. Who cares? We won a World Series. Yeah. Um, I still can't believe they did that. Yeah. But uh, who else did I say? Uh, Guerra. Probably non-tendered. 
That's I don't a, know. He's a guy who, I mean, we're talking about a tendered salary of 900000 If they bring him back uh, and then cut him in mid-March, then they only have to pay 150000 of that. Yeah, that seems likely. I figure that's what they'll do. Yeah, um, Sammy Solis him. Yeah, they'll Solis him. They'll Solis uh, Elias if he looks terrible. Yeah. Although his salary is going to be a little bit higher. Uh, yeah, I think they'll cut Taylor, and I think they'll cut Strickland. Yep. Well, I think And that, probably that, also, uh, sorry, just the last guy was Coda Glover. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he's... Uh, He's never going to pitch again. He's never going to pitch again. No. Nope. R.I.P. Gold Glover. R.I.P. Well, that's it for us. Um, We'll probably be back next weekend with a winter meetings preview. Yep. Um, If Strasburg signs this week, we'll be back sooner. Yep. um, Talking about that. But until then, um, we will see you next week. See you next week.